it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. And this week we talk with Luke Scott, who has just announced that after 13 years, he is leaving the Prickly Moses Brewery in Victoria's Otways. Luke leaves his current role to join startup Southwest Brewing in the old Quicksilver building on Victoria's surf coast. And no, there are apparently no surfers involved in this new venture. Luke is one of those brewers who has seen a lot change over his 13 years at the current brewery and his time in the industry before that. And Prickly Moses is a brewery that you may not even have heard of if you're not from Victoria. And that's because the business has changed focus as the industry has moved from 100 breweries nationally to somewhere around 500. Luke has seen the business move from a brewery looking for national markets to a locally focused brewery catering to the community. We hear what he has learned and what he has seen as the brewing industry he entered has changed around him. We also hear about what he has planned for the new venture. As always, it's an interesting chat, and this is Luke Scott. Luke Scott, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Yeah, g'day, Matt. Good to good to join you. Well, and I have to like I, I don't know whether it's apologies or or what it is, but. Uh, when uh, I, I got your email that you're leaving Otway Estate um, this week, and I just suddenly realised that as one of the the very very first uh, people I collaborated with uh, in in beer writing, I, I've never actually done a podcast with you. So apologies. That's no, all right, mate. I haven't held it against you. I held it against you. <laughs> Before we uh, sort of go in and sort of talk about any of that, uh, now. You're down in regional Victoria. How have things been going during this uh, crazy pandemic times? It's certainly been tough and tight from from a, a brewing side of things and and everybody else in the in the home life and um, and things from regional Vic have obviously as people probably know have have had uh, a lot less cases as recent. So we've opened up the doors and uh, it's not quite business as usual, but it's certainly we've seen a real big spike in people just getting out and. You know, I speak to my family, they're in Melbourne and they're a bit like that, you know, Smashing Pumpkin song, a bit like a rat in a cage still just waiting to get out. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly been a different year, that's for sure. And how have things been going? Because Otway uh, Estate, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about um, uh, about the business, but, you know, it, it's in a tourism area. You know, whilst it does wholesale beer, it's still very much a, a, a tourist destination. Yeah, so yeah, I guess we're yeah we're Otway Brewing Group slash Otway Estate, and people don't know the brand's Prickly Moses. Um, yeah, we sort of took a change of direction in our business probably about six or seven years ago to a, a more venue-based model of our um, supply of beer. Just basically direct, we found you know trying to get beer on tap at places, having you know twenty or twenty-four odd different beers on on the list rotating. Obviously, hard to get a, a spread of our. So we've got a couple of venues um, down in the Great Ocean Road that are named the Brew House. One of them's got a, a brewery in it too in Queenscliff that we do some other beers out of. Uh, yeah, the tourism aspect, which was also, you know, um, obviously the Great Ocean Road is an iconic part of Victoria. So a lot of inbound tourists, which we don't see the minibuses and the, and the coaches on the highways and stuff anymore, mm. which is, and a lot of people obviously in that, 
about keep capturing that of, of uh, either had to diversify or, or change direction. Um, in saying that, you know, what, our venue in Apollo Bay, which is a really strong key spot for us, not only do you know we we focus on the on tourist trade, but we also focus on the the locals down there because my owners at Otway uh, are both from Apollo Bay, so and and the locals like a like a tipple, so you know they, they certainly support the volume even without the tourism. So yeah, June even with the lockdown when it opened up between the two lockdowns down here was probably our strongest June we've had on record there. So yeah, it's, I think we'll we'll see it again. We've already seen it now in the, in the last month. Local tourism and people supporting local businesses and brands, people from regional Vic are really, you know, jumping the car and getting around. And we can't wait till Melbourne opens up and we'll probably see more of that, you know, population of business heading our way. Let's talk a little bit about you. Because, and one of the first things I do whenever I sort of, uh, even people I know quite well, I jump on their LinkedIn profile just to sort of find out a little bit, uh, you know, some of the other things that they've done. And you've, I have to say, you've got the um, LinkedIn profile of somebody that has uh, spent a long time at the one place and hasn't really looked at uh, where they were going to go to next because you've got education, RMIT, 1995 to 2001, and then Head Brewer, Otway Estate. And uh, you've certainly had a long innings at, 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 at Otway Estate, haven't you? Well, I didn't even know I had a LinkedIn. LinkedIn profile, a, no, there you go. At, and uh, there's a few other gaps in there. There was a bit of time at Foster's initially and then uh, some time in the Hunter Valley and then also a bit of time in the UK brewing. And that was the thing. I knew a little bit about that. So so tell us, as I said, I've known you since the very early days of my involvement as a uh, as a beer writer, but I, I don't know how you, you know, what made you fall in love with brewing in, in, in the days before craft beer became a the thing that we know it is now. Yeah, well, it's a pretty interesting story or a funny story in a way. Uh I was at RMIT doing chemical engineering, and uh, it was a it was a great time of life. And uh, I ran the Young Engineers and the Association of uh, Chemical Engineers. So we organised, you know, the typical things like engineers do: three-legged pub crawls around the city. And but I had to organise a industry night um, for graduate programs and stuff like that. So that all of the sort of the the key employers, be it pharmaceutical. Uh, petrochemical um, industries that employ engineers were there and there was a guy there from CUB or from Foster's and everyone was speaking to him about how to how to get involved in the job there and I just said to him, mate, we're going across the road to the local pub that afterwards and he packed up his stand we had a few beers. It turns out he went to RMIT and they ran a, a joint sort of uh, industry program in research with RMIT. So he said, uh, we run this cadet brewing role and um, – I think you'd be a good fit for it. Um, here's my card. Um, apply for the job. I wasn't even really a, a massive beer drinker as a young uh, kid. I'll, I'll have a few pots and maybe move, move on to the harder stuff. But then, uh, yeah, I was fortunate to work at Foster's. And I really loved that time and it really showed me, I guess, uh, I fell in love with not only brewing but also the history of beer, um, the, the guilds from the guilds and also just uh, – the uh, the research that Foster's was doing back in those days, this is '99, was you know uh, world class, and the the knowledge and recipes and so yeah, I worked on a whole different side of things, a lot of um, sort of uh, sustainable type work with developing products from ice streams and all of that, which was fun, and 
obviously that also trained me in my sensory, which Foster's was all about. Was you know, uh, you know, obviously no Tina. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so she would train all everybody, you know, all three in that team every week. That you do sensory training and look at, build a profile on your, on your taste and what you, you know, the culture there. If you change pump at Abbotsford for, you know, it's your, you know, you know those domestic beers a bit like Big Macs. You know, they're they're not they're known for their, their consistency. So um, you certainly got to be able to look at, look at the beer in that way when you work there. So how long did you spend at CUB? I did a year there, which was part of like it was a engineering, like final year design. It was, but then I still stayed involved in a way. I did the design of a microbrewery as my engineering design project at final year. So I utilised the library at, at Foster's and everything else. So, um, yeah, it was a year, but then following year I was involved while I was at uni. And then from that, the sort of the next step happened. I contacted a few equipment suppliers, and then one of them was DME and uh, Brian Watson, um, who was who was running Australia, you know, the Asia Pacific arm of that. Said we'll send you some specs that you might require on the proviso you send us your project at the end. So I did that, and then he rang me up and said he was setting up Saint Anu in Australia, mm. and he was he'd already started it in New Zealand. And so he had a couple of uh, breweries on the go at the time, so I was offered roles at Old oh, Two to either Rum, which was now the Mildura Brewery or our friend's brew. Um, <laughs> now, the, now brew, yes, yeah. Don't, and then uh, I was Wollongong with, and then they sort of took longer, so I just sort of uh, said, you know, I'll just uh, I might just flip over to Europe and hang out with some people, and uh, so he set me up with a few of his contacts while I was in Europe to. I travelled for four months around Europe and tasted a few great beers and then landed in London and got a role uh, running. It was a real ale pub, which is quite well known in the UK, called the White Horse, and uh, ran the cellar there and um, got to know. I was fortunate. Obviously, this is a beer podcast, so I hosted all uh, Michael Jackson's uh, beer dinners and events there. It was his local pub. So Wow. Uh, that, that was really cool. And then... Alistair Hook, um, he ran a brewery which used to be across the road from the White Horse. It was called Freedom Brewing, but he started up meantime. So I uh, just started there, um, just really on my on my days off and whenever I could work. So I just sort of, uh, as I say to people wanting to get into the industry, I just said, look, don't really want to be paid. I'm just happy just to uh, to show up and and help out wherever. So that was that was a great time, and uh, being a um, I was enjoying it in the UK, but I had a feeling about Aussie rules, and so I returned flight and came back to see um, Collingwood get thumped by Brisbane in 2002, I think it was. That was the wet grand final. That yeah, was the second Ak- grand final. Cause they... I think when Akamanis went mad in the last quarter, and I was in the in the members drinking lots of handles of Carlton Draft to get over it. Uh, um, I was there for the first one when it was played in 28 degrees that I think saw Brisbane get over the top of uh, Collingwood, but then the following yes. year I think it was about two degrees. And, it uh, was the wet one, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I, I fortunately wasn't there because apparently friends of mine who were there said it was the coldest they'd ever been in their life, but that was Brisbaneite, Brisbaneite saying that. Fair enough, yep, yep. Yeah, so uh, I went back and did a ski season in Canada, which was one of my vices back then. And then um, came back 
met my wife in the meantime back here and then worked in a, uh, for the state government, actually, just uh, my old man was a senior in the state government in education, so I just worked in there for about six months and uh, obviously, as people know, the, the industry's, I mean, it's bigger now, but I spoke to Brian again and he was setting up a brewery in the Hunter Valley with the uh, Colosimo family that had, uh, had, the, had the Australian brewery as well in later years. So I looked at, Googled it up, and it said the Sandbelt Golf Area of New South Wales, and being a bit of a golf tragic, I said, <laughs> oh, I'll take it. And, yeah, so I set that up with Brian, and we made the St. Arnoux beers, mainly their specialty beers because it was a little six-hectolitre DME, and um, in that time then built the Hunter Beer Company brand up from uh, while we were making St. Arnoux and then was also assisting with the contracting arm a little bit that, um, Santa and I were doing it in that time. I think it was at Blue Tongue and maybe oh, Brian was jump, jumping around everywhere to making beer, um, which was a good time. And it, the Hunter was an amazing place to work amongst 60 vineyards and cellar doors and being really the only operating brewery in the Hunter at the time. We certainly made some good friends, as people know. A lot of winemakers through vintage drink a lot of beer and uh, and I, I certainly don't want a nice red or and I guess that's another story. Some of the beers that we've made in the in the future with my relationship with McWilliams and stuff like that. So yeah, it was when you just stepping back to the UK. I, I believe it was when you were in uh, UK that you met a certain uh, sales focused guy called David Lipman, and uh, as a result, went on to found what what is now beer, or what was then Beer and Brewer magazine. Yeah, yeah. So David worked at the at the pub with me and. I had three people actually in the cellar. That's how big the cellar was under under me, and and Dave was one of them. And we became became good friends. We all lived upstairs, and uh, there was another guy from from Brisbane, and we were sort of we called ourselves, I guess, the East Coast crew. Myself from Melbourne, Lippo from Sydney, and uh, yeah, he, he certainly put uh, his teeth into beer there and, and, and a good training as you do, and and we remained friends through that journey, and then. Um, I guess the idea of the magazine derived from a, I think it was the Australian hotel event in Sydney. And I was just mentioning to Dave, you know, in those times it was micro-brewed or <laughs> micro beer yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And uh, so, you know, there's no real specific magazine. You know, you'd get an article in sort of Gourmet Traveller or, you know, you know, the, there was the iconic brands that were doing stuff for the industry like James Squire or Matilda Bay and all of that. But there was, wasn't a, a dedicated beer magazine. And at the time, David was working for, a, I forget which publishing company, in sales. And he said, oh, well, why don't we start a magazine? And then uh, I got back from the beer event. And on the Monday, he said, well, I've set up this, um, set up this magazine. Um, you know, for your knowledge and, and contacts, we'll make you a, a technical editor. And I'll, I'll, I'll go fishing for, see who I can find to, to run the mag. And, and so, you know, down the couple issues we were just talking about, um, you came involved with it. And, well, you know, I sort of fell into it, as, as I think I've done with a lot of things in, in the beer industry, but it was certain it was um, the first dedicated beer magazine uh, going way back. And uh, But you didn't stay involved for that long because you moved down to Victoria um, soon after. Yeah, it was, yeah, I then moved to, to Otway, Prickly Moses, and I guess from a personal side of things, I had a bit of 
I felt I had a conflict of interest of being a technical editor and running a beer brand. So I said to Dave, look, I'm happy to be in the background. And as as people that know David, he, he's a great guy, he's passionate and, and driven, and he, he really wanted to take the, the magazine in his direction. So I let him do that and uh, just focused on uh, uh, having fun in the in, in the old ways. Yeah, well, certainly... Uh Craft brewing and publishing are two very difficult industries. So you you were sort of straddling two uh, very hard industries. And I know that David uh, you know gave it a really good run um, before he uh, got out of the industry himself. Yeah, and Intermedia who purchased it have done a great job in you know furthering it. I think. Now I think that was about when when we met. But you've been with you know down at Otway Estate pretty much since what two thousand seven two thousand eight. Yeah, it's coming on nearly thirteen years. And how did you uh, come to be down there? It was via my wife who was uh, down in Melbourne. We were already planning to move back from Victoria, from New South Wales. And she was at a market in uh, Queenscliff and uh, a little farmer's market. And we were, we used to do all those sort of things as um, selling beer and wine. And was chatting to one of the owners and they said, at the time when, when Otway and we, we put the brewery in, we were, we were the first Victorian um, uh winery and brewery actually making wine and beer so not not as a i guess there were a lot of wine companies or had beer brands and all that but yeah so we we were producing both and they said well we're actually looking for a brewer the the um rob who set up the brewery was a friend of theirs who was a pretty big home brewer in western australia and uh, he was flying sort of flying in flying out doing a couple of brews that sort of happened they chatted nothing came of it and then Funnily enough, my mum was working at a, I guess, a homeware store. Um, one of the other owners' wives walked in and had a sign that said beer and breakfast. And I um, said, so why are you buying? What's interest in buying that sign? She said, oh, we own a brewery. Um, sort of put the word out for me as well and said, uh, we actually uh, have a son who's looking for a role. So that's how the intro came. And then I met up with Andrew, the owner, and uh, it, all, it all worked. And, uh, yeah. And that's how I got involved with uh, with the team there. So tell us a little bit about the beer landscape. You know, one of the recurring themes on this conversation podcast is for anyone that's been in the industry for you know more than five or six years, is just how much the industry has changed from the days when it was called microbrew. Um, you know, when, when you were down at Otway Estate, and I remember you'd had a Beard a guard, and you had a saison that were two of your more broadly yep. uh, available trilogy. Things. Yeah, yeah, because they yep. were the ones that uh, you know most breweries seem to have that style of beer. You know, some of the traditional styles. So, tell us a little bit about how the how, how the industry has changed over the period you've been with Otway. Yeah, it's certainly been uh, it's been a crazy ride the last even the last four or five years. Just how the industry has moved in styles and. Uh, so piggybacked away from that, I guess people were brewing uh, more, you know, influences from Europe perhaps than uh, what's now, I guess, drivers sort of the US and, you know, thankfully, you know, Australian brewers are making great, you know, unique styles in our own. Back in those days, they were the styles that you did. How has, how has it been having one 
continuous job during that period? You know, what sort of decisions have you had to make as a brewer? Because I have to admit, I haven't even seen um, Otway for a while. You know, at one stage you probably had, you know, sort of the workings of national di- di- distribution, but you, you yep. said that it was yep. much more hospitality focused now. You know, do you still make some of those beers that you were making back then or, you know? Yeah, we <laughs> certainly do. Yeah, we're selling a lot into Sydney sporadically into into Queensland and, and you know, we, we pushed a little bit out into the West and stuff in Western Australia and all that. And we just sort of thought it was just too much tar on the road and in distribution and just chasing kegs all over the country. And so we sort of took, I guess, that sort of hyper-local approach in the business. We found we always had support locally. So um, coming from uh, the Hunter Beer Company and the um, working with the with the Colosimo family, we had at the time nine pubs in the group, and when I was making the beer up there, I just saw how easy it was just to uh, to put the beers through our venues. And obviously, when it's your own venues too, you, as people know, you got your own, you got a much better margin, and you can also control the uh, the the sell and the delivery of you know the story of the beer with with your staff. So we chose to um, get involved in a couple of venues down the coast, which have been great. Running a hospital arm, as people know, is is another adventure in not only production. So, yeah, we sort of uh, pull back from national distribution just to focus on our local patch. Um, we're still selling to Melbourne, and that most of that um, even now is sort of through um, just on premise with uh, with restaurants and yeah, that sort of yeah, and and events which which are a big arm for us. So. I'm not, People might have seen or heard about our double decker bus that we've got with a brewery um, on it. Yeah, I've yeah, heard a lot a about that. on it. So yeah, so I guess like we started with uh, this little ice yeah, yeah, uh, magic box, like most brewers and uh, at events, and then uh, purchased a which was a frozen yogurt caravan. So we decked that out. We just found by having a, a really strong presence at events and a, a nicely branded up, um, just you know. Uh, bar and stuff that we could just hook eggs on and go uh, really gave us some good exposure. So, yeah, Andrew came up with the idea to build a, a brewery and a bus. To um, So it's a yeah, double-decker with, I think it's got six taps upstairs and six taps down the bottom. And the brewery's not operational. I had uh, the tax office actually ring me up and they has been through our website to find out what we were doing with it, obviously with the uh, stipulations of um, – red lines and bonded, you know, you can't produce alcohol on a mobile facility. So the idea is just to really showcase, um, we haven't even plumbed it up, but was the, the concept was to make, you know, do a demonstration of, of brewing in the bus and mm. if, if, if there was an opportunity, you know, just to, to give people that were involved the work left over. But uh, it's, yeah, the brewery in there is a, is a showpiece, but it certainly, uh, it stands out at events and it's certainly uh with what we're going to at the moment and, and events and what, you know, as you know, with, with what's happening, we're sort of going to have to change uh, the direction of that. And I think the plan is to maybe do a bit of a roadshow around Australia with it and try and get a couple of beers that we want to push nationally and, uh, and drive the bus around the country. <laughs> it's certainly a, a, a lot different. There's a lot of theatre involved in, you know, once upon a time, beer itself was interesting. But, you know, we, we've seen that, you know, brewers have had to graduate from, you know, the fold-out table and some pull-up banners and uh, beer samples yep. <laughs> at, at, at yeah, exactly. beer events. Yes, yeah, yeah, you've got to adapt. And that's the beauty of 
making beer is, you know, versus, uh, you know, ha- having a wine hat too with the winery, you know, you, you're hamstrung on your varieties and your of grapes and stuff that you grow. At least with beer, if you, you can be a little bit flexible in, in change. It certainly helps with the way the market's going. But, you know, one of the things uh, I, I remember getting you up for one of the early Brisbane beer festivals, which was the you know, uh, yes. by festival, I mean like it was very small scale. But International the, uh, Hugger Brewer Day. Where is that, Matt? International Beer Day, it was called. Yeah, and uh, you have you hugged a brewer today. And you had an International Hugger Brewer Day too. I remember Ben Kraus and I getting getting lots uh, of hugs. Well, that hugs was. From- that I think it was archive. You did that event. That was at Arch- well, it, it it started a couple of years before, and it was uh, an American beer writer called Jay Brooks said, "You know, why isn't there a day that celebrates brewers?" And uh, he took okay. inspiration from a sticker on the, uh, I think, it was the what is it, the Thirteenth Amendment, or the um, in uh, San Francisco, and they had a sticker that on their door right. said, "Have you hugged a brewer?" So I matched okay. those two ideas and had International Brewers Day, and you know, have you hugged a brewer? Um, that's right yeah, so that was where that all came about but you know again as you said like it was uh, it was yourself and Ben Krause and you know, there, there was only a handful of brewers that you could invite to uh, to a to a beer event where these days it's genuinely an invitational and brewers are limited to the uh, events that they travel to yeah and, and also I guess some of the older brewers have family and stuff and there's so many beer events you can go to and then uh and get involved in, but uh, we certainly enjoy it when we, when we get the chance to do it. it. It's a tough gig trying to, uh, you know, get to all of these events and manage a, a, a life. Yeah, and, and production in, in, in the workplace, you know, no, no, and then if you're judging and, you know, giving up the time to do that and, yeah, it's um it's a commitment, but, you know, people, I guess the, the beauty of beer, what I've learned from some of the, you know, that they're, Older statesman is, you know, the people that care about beer. It's it's all about, you know, building the profile of beer, not only your own, but just beer in general, as as a product. So, you know, the guys that really embrace it are certainly guys that really sort of, I think, work on that sort of philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, it, it it's just been interesting to see how that has morphed. But also tell me about, you know, we were talking before about the beer styles that you made when you started. Uh, you know, there were beers, uh, it, it was a time before even Black IPA, which was one of the first things that got people scratching their head. But, you know, now we've got, uh, you know, hazy and juicy IPAs and, you know, pastry stouts. Is, is that something mm. that you've embraced as a brewer? Or is, have you, your um, local community demanded that you make a pastry stout or something? Or is it something you've wanted to make as a brewer? No, it hasn't. <laughs> um, no offence to the guys that are doing it, but... Uh, uh, I've found like in, in our lineup and just through through sales volumes and and stuff like that. I, when I started down from, we were making a really good IPA in the Hunter, and I sort of thought, well, and IPA was really just starting to make a movement in the scene. I sort of consciously said, hey, let's not make an IPA, and let's just sort of. So we we sort of went down the route of um, you know uh, making pilsners. Um, Kolsch, which is our, probably our biggest seller. Um, we have a stout, red ale, and then the farmhouse range. And it wasn't until I had a brewer come and join me, which I'm sure you your guys know, um, Hendo, who really pushed that barrow. So I, I gave that to him because he was a real hophead. And so, Hendo, you developed the, the hop-driven beers. And um, 
I'll focus on just making the easy drinking, clean, clean beers, which you know pay the bills. So, but not to say that an IPA can't pay the bills. But I find, especially now, those the, the drinkers that um, there's no loyalty in in an IPA drinker. I'm sure that's going to offend people, but um, I, I find people are just chasing the next alpha hit or fix, and uh, we, we just see it. In, it could, but there. There is a minority of, of beer companies that really win with that. You know, you look at brands like Pirate Life and, and others that, that are really, if you really focus on that real specific niche, you can really win rather than just, but you've got to hedge your bets on it. And they've got, well, they, they've got their port local lager. Um, that, yes. That's one of their big sellers. And as they've moved into right. more corporately, uh, uh, you know they, they made their name on hops, but you know some of the beers are getting them into the uh, Virgin Lounge or um, you know some of the corporate doors that have opened since they were acquired by CUB. You know tend to be a little bit more moderate. That's right, and and that's the thing as a brewer. Sometimes you just have to. I love brewing IPAs, like making sours and all and, and all of that. But sometimes you just got to you know bite your tongue and make beers that that uh, that are going to sell because that justifies you to uh, you know employ staff. And when you got volume, um, as it's unfortunately, you know, a thing that the big brewers say, but even small mediums to say say now, you need you need volume to to uh, turn the systems over to to keep things moving. And yeah, our biggest sale in bottle is actually a light beer, which is not really embarrassing to say, but that's just sort of I make a sort of a really different style of light, which has got a bit of flavour and um, you know complexity. Um, and yeah, I, and we all see obviously the market in in the mid strengths and and all of that. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess sometimes it's there's nothing wrong with just making a really approachable session clean beer, which often is quite difficult to do. How hard is it working in in an industry like brewing where you've got the beers that you want to make, um, but then there is also the the uh, beers at the you know, consumer or a section of the consumer want to drink, you know, is it hard to stick to your guns or, you know, do sometimes you have to make these little compromises to, to try and sort of keep the, uh, the the business running? I'm happy to make a compromise if it, if it means the business doors still stay open. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it is it is hard to grapple with sometimes, but I think you just have to get it. You've just got to, yeah, you got to stick to your guns or, yeah, it's just a, a a call that you need to make as as a business sometimes, or and 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 also, I guess yeah, day to day showing up and saying oh, I'm just making that beer again, you know, even though it's selling really well. Wish we had tank space to do something different, but you know, uh, I don't know. That's that's sort of my answer in a roundabout way. Mm. Tell us exciting times ahead for you. You've uh, you know, after 13 years, you've announced that you're uh, moving on from. Um, Prickly Moses and uh, Otway State. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the next venture is. Is it? Is it? A, you, are you doing what a lot of brewers talk about and setting up your own place? Or uh, no, no, just uh, moving on to a head brewing role at a at a new brewery to be opened in Torquay down uh, in the Surf Coast, uh, a bit closer to home. Um, the drive to work each day is uh, at Otway was uh, or is still till next week, uh, about an hour and a quarter. Yeah, so um, starting up uh, with, with a with a team of, of people, Southwest uh, Brewery, which is 
based on the, I guess, the southwest uh, region, the southwest of Victoria, and also the southwesterly, I guess, breeze that, that kicks through nicely in Chile down here. Um, the, the people behind the new brewery is um, some guys that were founders of the uh, St Andrews Beach and um, it, uh, brewery, and Greg sort of um, moved on from his involvement there in setting up this project and uh, it's in the Quicksilver uh, warehouse but it's not as people have been asking me there aren't other surfers involved it's a common theme these days isn't it yeah I, I'll hopefully I get to hang out with Kelly while he's uh, across the, the building so half of the site will still remain Quicksilver which I think is going to be their design team and the rest, it's a very large site. Um, uh, it's right across the road, road, literally 200 metres from Bells Beach Brewing, and then it's just around the corner from Blackman's too, and they're all friends of mine, and, you know, we've had chats already, and uh, we really work on, uh, you know, working together to sort of like when I started at Otway, Prickly, we were the only local, only, oh, the only real small brewery in the, in the region and I've certainly seen a lot of uh, people pop up, and we all work together to, to uh, you know, work you know with the local you know beer tour companies, and we all work together to try and promote beer in the region. So that's going to continue. Um, the brewery itself. Um, Do we have a name? Is, uh, so, so we uh... yes, Sour West S O U W E S T with a little hypheny thing. Not over the sow. Yep. Yep. South West Brewery is going to be called. Uh, it has been called, <laughs> and um, the 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 brewery's being built, and it's just sitting on um, and the site's in construction at the moment. And the plan to, is to open by mid December. Worst case, sort of last uh, late or oh, oh, middle of Jan. Um, and uh, for people that don't know the region down there between Torquay and Geelong, it's certainly seen a massive growth corridor in not only, um, you know, a lot of houses and a lot of population of people moving uh, either from Melbourne or, or other regions to, to have a bit of a, a proximity to the coast, which it's a beautiful part of the world. So is it going to be a, um, a venue that's geared up to brew for on, on-site consumption or is it uh, yeah, going to be chasing, yeah. uh, you know, a big uh, package presence? Yeah, so it's a venue-based uh, brewery. Uh, we're licensed, I think, uh, at the moment for about 300, but it'll it'll step up if restrictions ease to 600. So it's going to be a large. So with uh, two like a mezzanine, two-story indoor dining uh, bar, a tasting bar that then feeds out and uh, onto two beer gardens with a big play area for families, and then um, obviously the the brewery will be a it's a showpiece. So the the venue is built around the brewery just with glass and stuff, so I'll have to wave to people and smile like you like to do while you've got a bucket. Shave. And, yeah, and caustic and everything else running at you and just keep a smile while you're getting a little burn. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a change, but I'm looking forward to um, – to, um, we're probably at Otway. We, we were probably years ago 70% wholesale, 30% of our own, you know, production. Now we're probably 50-50. And I, I'm looking forward to to a real probably. I reckon probably. I think the focus is about 95% on premise. 
And and what styles do you think you'll be? Uh, have you started recipe development? Have you got any idea of the sorts of styles you're going to be uh, uh, punching out? Yeah. So fortunate to have uh, a brewing consultant. Uh, people who may know of uh, or should know of Dermot O'Donnell. I know um, Dermot very well. We had him on the podcast uh, not so long back. Great. Yeah. So I actually worked with Dermot when I was at. CB at Foster's, so he was head of new product development at the time, and I used to love working with that group in terms of, uh, you know, the beauty of, you know, Foster's at the time had 2,000 recipes of beers ready to bounce out the gate on marketing's call. But so Dermot comes from a wealth of knowledge of uh, the brewing industries, and one of those, you know, six or eight master brewers that reside in the country, in the, you know, I guess, in the qualified realm. So. Um, he's uh, he was involved with um, St Andrews Beach, so uh, he's overseeing that. And then, as we've discussed, he'll he'll just taper down his involvement probably to a, a day a month and a game of golf, you know, and doing it. And uh, which hopefully we can get production sorted so I can join him. Um, and yeah, so he's developed the recipes, and the focus is. Um, yeah, quite easy drinking, approachable beers, which I guess uh, everyone's striving for. So it's going to be uh, an Aussie lager, um, which we all sort of know the styles. Um, a a mid-strength, a, a pale ale, um, it's an approachable, easy pale. Um, I guess the interesting one, which I'm really looking forward to getting involved with, is sort of a, a Calabria style, so a true German sort of um, from tank, you know, fresh. Nice and you know juicy, sort of not juicy, but you know, a bit of hot profile in in the in that style. Um, what else? Uh, we're going to have two seasonal beers, which will be rotating, and then a um, sort of a souped up to his old style, which um, you know, in between is sort of a brown dark ale, about six and a half percent, will be the the mix. And, and, and what led you, I, I guess, after, you know, 13 years being at Otway Estate, you've got a very well-worn groove in the couch there, um, you know, very, very comfortable. What what led you to uh, to, to move on? Yeah, it was just, uh, just really, I guess, a bit of a challenge, just a bit of change of scene. Um, yeah, to be involved from the ground up with, with this new venture uh, and uh, something closer to home, really, um, to be around the family and, just to spend less time on the road and, and hang out with with the kids and stuff. So it was a, a big contributing factor. But, and in saying that work, uh, I were really good in, in terms of it's good sometimes working for a small family business where people appreciate you got to spend time with the kids. So I was, wasn't was always at the brewery. I was able to work from home and embrace the cloud, as they say. We're not going to can the beers at, at Southwest. Um, we're just going to package in bottles just for just for sales to take away. And, and why is that? Is is a is it easy to, to, to get beer into bottles um, if you're doing it yourself, or you know, do, because there are a lot of um, mobile canning people who, mm. who who can come and give you the, the option to do both. Uh, for a personal side of things, you know, everyone and I agree with it. Some the yeah, the beer's better in can. Um, it was just a call that the the guys at Southwest wanted to go, and I'm happy happy with that. Um, that's you know, uh, and I've I've bottled, and we 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 still sell at a lot of packaged beer um, in bottle through the restaurant chain, and we we um, can four of our products, but we were probably a bit slow in the in the uptake of cans 
um, looking at beer fridges now, my local here that has a great craft beer range. It's only, probably there's only five brands that are all local that package in bottle. The rest is just walls of cans. So, um, yeah, I don't have a problem with people packaging cans or bottles. It's just, um, yeah, I guess it's better for the environment and easier sometimes with cans and, and, and storage and space and, and all of that, but yeah. So you've obviously invested in in, in a bottling line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a little canner pressure uh, Italian system coming, which is going to be great, and uh, automated keg washer and filler. So press a button and walk away. <laughs> nice. And uh, do, does that inf- when, when you look at what happened with um, COVID and you know venues that relied exclusively on hospitality, were, you know. We're thankful they were able to pivot to packaged um, during those times. Is you know, does that weigh on your mind when you start a new venture before the you know uh, the, the, the current crisis is finished? That you, you you do need to be able to hedge your bets. Yeah, I think so. And that's I guess the the focus of of what we're going to do will be um, dictated to about a lot about where we go for the next twelve months with how we travel on COVID. The beauty is we can we can change and and focus and push some some beer to market through through wholesale networks if if we have to but uh, we're we're pretty headstrong on on staying with a venue focus so I think looking at what's happening in Perth and and Brisbane you know if we if Victoria can really just sort it out um, speaking to some friends in the industry you know WA and my mates up at you know, Rebel and, and Black Ops and, and, and all of that, it seems things are still pretty good. And and I think coming out of this, I think we're going to get a lot of people that really want to support small business and independent brands and not there's anything wrong with big global companies, but we're already seeing a great, you know, support on, as, as we all want to do. You know, people have gone through this and, and have just either just come out the other side or have come out you know, ready to go again. We, we can only hope that that continues and, uh, you know, all the very best with uh, Sour West Brewing and once the borders yeah. do open, uh, I for one can't wait to uh, to travel and uh, I'll certainly be heading down to, to try some of the beers in the venue. Yeah, please do, Matt, and thanks for your time and, and uh, great job on the on Oz Brews News. It's always one of my go-tos for whatever's happening and, uh, yeah, Awesome work. Oh, mate, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, no, looking forward to having a, uh, a, a very long overdue beer with you. Too easy. Great stuff. And that was Luke Scott. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryo Malt. With more than 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of this conversation and the Radio Brews News channel. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. 